Good evening, everybody, and welcome here to the Sports Talk Network, specifically here pa- talking Packers with Steve as we head into week nine of the NFL season. <laughs> talking about the past week, heading into the next week. Um, it's going to be a, a jam-packed show. Got some great guests, as, people, as you all can see already. Of course, I ha- of course, I have my co-host, AJ. AJ, how are you doing? What's Steve? up? What's up? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Doing, doing well. Doing well. Had a fun Halloween and all yeah. that, and uh, now heading into the next week here talking football. Um, but let's uh, introduce and welcome everybody with our guests. We'll start off with the representative here we see for the New York Jets, uh, Gunny. Uh, Gunny, how are you doing this evening? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, man. At the end of the day, uh, the Jets are 4-3 are and three right now. Um, something I didn't think was going to be feasible with the loss of an Aaron Rodgers. And I, I couldn't ask for a better start to the season. Um Ugly, ugly, hideous game. Probably one of the ugliest I've ever seen in my life this past week. Jets versus Giants. But you know what? You got to win the ugly ones, too. So I'm going to take it. I'm going to roll with it. So right now I'm feeling pretty good, man. I, I can't complain. Can't complain. Also, let's welcome our other guests. Uh, first, as we see there, representing the Minnesota Vikings. Hate rival, but do respect the fan base somewhat. Uh, from Vikings Uncensored, we have Rhino. Welcome to the show. How are you doing this evening, sir? doing pretty well all things considered thank you for having me on uh, had the uh you know football gods deal us a uh severe reality check this past week you know we started off one and three then went three and one and now lost the quarterback who has been having the season of his career to this point so uh a lot of a lot of question marks but uh you know they don't stop the games just because something bad happens so take it as it comes and last but certainly not least a uh, part of our esports radio uh a network i'm part of in uh, as a co-host part of uh, uh with uh, bernie bango uh, co-hosting with his big cheese sports show every sunday but him representing his la rams not st louis la rams <laughs> and so how are you doing this evening sir man i'm good thank y'all for having me i'm i'm a little depressed uh just because we got to go to Green Bay, and nothing good ever happens to us in Green Bay when we go. Uh, trade deadline came and went, and, and with that, uh, the rich got richer in my division. The poor got poorer. So, uh, you know, it's kind of hello, darkness, my old friend over here. <laughs> um, as we start out here, <clears throat> excuse me, start out here, we're going to go, th- or I'm going to go through a uh, quick fire here of what was the past week, week eight in the NFL season. Uh, last week, we had the Bills over the Buccaneers, 24 to 18. We had Gunny's Jets surviving, defeating the Giants there in the Battle of New York. The Jaguars holding strong, 20 to 10 over the Steelers. Eagles survived the Commanders, 38 to 31. The Rams get a beat down in Dallas or beaten down in Dallas, 43 to 20. The Vikings smacked the Packers in the mouth, 24 to 10, winning on the road. So that was unfortunate. Uh, Titans over the Falcons, 28-23, and somewhat of a surprise to me. Uh, the Dolphins stomped the Patriots. I'm sure Gunny enjoyed that. 31-17 to there in Miami. The Saints uh, beat Minshew and Minshew Mania in Indianapolis, 38-27. to The Panthers get their first win in a close game against the Houston Texans. The Seahawks defeat the Browns, 24-20. to The Bengals surprise the world. And defeat the 49ers at home 31 to 17 in that fashion. Another stunner, the stunner of the whole weekend. B 
being the Denver Broncos defeating the Kansas City Chiefs, not even giving up a touchdown at all. 24-9 final there in Denver. The Ravens survived the Cardinals on the road, 31-24. to Our division rival, the Bears, got beat up in L.A., losing to the Chargers, 30-13. to Love it. And our other divisional team, the Lions, winning against the Raiders. The big news for the Raiders, pretty much firing everybody. Um, and moving forward uh, with their rookie quarterback uh, from now to the end of the season, Garoppolo being benched. Uh, but the Lions win on Monday night, 26-14. to 14. AJ, what was week eight? What, what would be your surprises, positive, negative, whatever your thoughts are, what was the past week? Well, we'll just start off with the negatives, obviously, being the Packers. But with, we'll just put that aside. But no, the surprises were definitely the Broncos beating the Chiefs the way that they did. And just because of what their defense has looked like up to this point and then not allowing a touchdown against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Uh, overall, though, the week – Great games. Uh, I mean, it's the NFL, and it, obviously anything can happen, as you can see. But uh, positives, uh, uh, honestly, I'm going to take the positives as us tanking so we can get a top five pick. I'm just dreaming of Marvin Harrison Jr. right now in a uh, green and yellow jersey. So, But, yeah, I mean, it was another good week and ready for another week of it. So, Yes, yes. And Gunny, what say you in regards to your Jets beating the Giants and what was a messy game? I mean, the Giants are a third screen quarterback. They should have won, really. Uh, but in the end, they didn't. And the Jets uh, getting a win there and being above 500, coming off a bye and all that. So what say you on that game and your team moving forward? Yeah, look, I'm not going to lie to you. It was one of the ugliest games I think I've seen in a very long time. Um, I'm not, and the win didn't actually exude any kind of confidence in what this Jets offense can actually do. It was sloppy gameplay on the defensive side of the ball, sloppy gameplay on the offensive side of the ball. We tend to do this every single season. We come out of the bye week, and for some reason, we go ahead and lay an egg. The only difference this time is we squeaked out a win. Uh, I will admit, thank you, Dable, for being a pretty mid-coach, because I think a better coach would have won that game. Um, 99.9% probability in that last minute of the game that they win the game and somehow, somewhere they still lost it. Listen, I'll, I'll take good fortune when it happens. Uh, a win is still a win. It's definitely four and three for the New York Jets. Keeps us still in the playoff conversation. Hell, it keeps us still in the conversation for potentially again, the AFC East, if we can go ahead and get some things going our way. So I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, I, I'm absolutely shocked that I'm here. As, as a Jets fan, talking about four and three after losing Aaron Rodgers after the first four snaps of the season opener. Um, but I couldn't be happier. Uh, I couldn't ask for any more. I had us at, at potentially five and two right now uh, with Aaron Rodgers. So four and three is a good thing. I, I'll take that all day. All right, Soup, I know we're going to be talking about our game, you know, in the future for next week, Packers-Rams. But in the past, what was week eight? What were your thoughts on your Rams in regard to their showing against Dallas? Let alone any other thoughts you want to have uh, for what was week eight overall? Uh, well, if we're going to start with the Rams and the Cowboys, that was – I know, you know, Gumby said that that was the ugliest game that he watched. That means he didn't watch the Rams and the Cowboys this week because that was the ugliest <laughs> game that was on television. Um, yeah, the Rams just, you know, they got abused from start to finish in that. Uh, there's a lot of things that continue not to make sense about this season for the Rams, like – McVay's aversion to running the football and I get that we have a bunch of people injured or running empty sets when your tackles are getting abused and Micah, Micah, uh, Micah Parson is pinning his ears back 
or why you continue to play Darian Kendrick as a starting corner when he gives up every single big play known to man. CeeDee Lamb absolutely owns that man. And when he's not giving up a play on the field, he's drawing the flag to give you the yardage anyway, because that's how generous he is. Um, in terms of, like I said, in terms of this week, the highlight definitely had to be uh, Cincinnati beating San Francisco just because anytime that team in the Bay loses, uh, my heart sings. Uh, and that was the only consolation that I had. It doesn't matter that joy turned to ash in my mouth at the trade deadline as they acquired <laughs> Chase Young. And now I have to deal with him in the final week of the season. So, yeah, that's how we are. <laughs> <laughs> And Reno, in regards to what was Week Eight, um, any quick thoughts? I know we'll go in depth uh, with AJ here shortly in regards to the Packers Vikings specifically, but other games or other things that take a note from your end personally for Week Eight. Um, I mean, yeah, biggest surprise obviously I think was that uh, Chiefs and Broncos game. Uh, if anybody other than a, the most diehard of Denver fans told you that that was going to happen, you'd call them a liar. Um, I mean, every team throws a stinker once in a while, and that definitely was. Um, you know, the uh, Chicago Bears, again, to both you guys and my joy, show that they're one of the most dysfunctional franchises in the NFL, not only from the game this weekend, but for the uh, getting absolutely fleeced in the Montez Sweat deal. Uh, the trade deadline. Uh, other than that, you know, some of some of the stuff that got moved around again. You know, the commanders deciding full out that they're going in full fire sale mode. Uh, you know, and then of course dealing with our side of things. You know, the ever durable Kirk Cousins who has not missed a snap due to injury in his entire career. Tears his Achilles on a non-contact injury and is now lost for the season. So, you know, that nobody expected that, you know, in law of averages sometimes gets to you, but, uh, you know, we're left with pieces over here and seeing where we move forward. So, Yeah, so it was an, an interesting week eight. Like for me, the biggest thing being the Broncos getting that win, but I was happy to see that. I am one of those fans that is there anybody but the Chiefs for the AFC side. Uh, but we'll see who's able to step up. Maybe it is the Jets. I know I you know Aaron is defeating modern science and trying to get back uh here before the for uh what week twelve, week thirteen, and um trying to get back and, and play to to finish off the season with the Jets and maybe uh a playoff run that they still were well, for all of Jets Nation was believing in and hyping up uh, once they acquired Aaron from Green Bay. So uh, we'll certainly see when that happens, if that happens. You know, um, you know, science is science for a reason. So I don't know if he's going to be able to come back, but we'll see. And if he does, my personal opinion would be one be until 16, 17, or 18 week um, for him to come back then. But we'll certainly, we'll certainly see again when we get to that point. But for right now, um, like I was speaking earlier, uh, we'll be doing um, our midseason recap as we are basically halfway through uh, this 2023 NFL season. So I had Gunny and AJ specifically. Uh, so Soup and Rhino don't, don't have to be part of this unless they want to put a top 10 up on, on the fly. 
Um, but AJ, we'll start with you. What would be your top 10 NFL teams right now as we see it at the end of week eight? All right. So my number one, I'm going to keep the Chiefs up there even after this past week. I feel like they've done enough and their defense is getting better, which is scary. Uh, two, I got the Eagles. I mean, pretty clear. Three, I'm going with the Bengals. I think they're about to turn it around. I, I'm telling my people that are Bengals fans, since I'm from Ohio, that mm-hmm. it's probably that point of the season where it's the Bengals are about to reel off like 10 wins in a row. It just, just feels like that defense is figuring it out. Joe's figuring out. Jamar, they're going to be a handful. Four, I got the 49ers. Five, I got the Bills. Six, I got the Ravens. I like the Ravens a lot this year. I think if there's a year that they could sneak in and maybe be that team to sneak into a Super Bowl, it could be them this year. Uh, seven, I got the Dolphins. Eight, Jags. Nine, the Lions. And then 10, I got the Cowboys. Okay. Okay, respect that one. Uh, Gunny, what say you in regards to uh, your personal top 10? Yeah, um, I, I think for me, I'm, I'm going I'm to take a diff- bit of a different approach, man. I think for me, one is the Ravens. Uh, I've been thoroughly impressed with what we've seen with that defense. We've seen the offense actually not click on all cylinders, and they are pretty much starting to now figure out that, hey, Lamar Jackson can throw the ball as well as run the ball. Uh, That offense is coming together, and I see those guys becoming a real problem as the season progresses. So I I got the Ravens at number one. For me, it's the second. Number two is the Dolphins. and I I know a lot of people are going to say they haven't beaten anybody, but the fact of the matter is they've scored 271 points. Um, which is, I think the, the next closest is 50 points behind them. That's something to be worried about. <laughs> I, I, this is the NFL. Everybody's a professional. 271 point at this point of the season. You've already got a thousand yard receiver and freaking Tyreek Hill. Doesn't seem like he's slowing down. They just got Jenna Ramsey back. That should make the defense better. I think the Dolphins right now are, are again, they're like 1B in terms of this list, right? So I got them at two. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I, I'm 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 looking at the Jaguars at number three, and and I know a lot of people are going to look at that and think to, you, to me like, "Wait, you're going to bypass the Chiefs?" The Chiefs haven't looked like themselves all season. It, it's not just that they've just got beat by the Broncos because that was in fact embarrassing. Uh, I think that the Chiefs in general have looked a little bit rough. Uh, I just I don't see them being the same. Um, maybe it's finally catching up with with uh, with freaking good old uh, Patrick Mahomes. So. Uh, I got uh, who was that? I just said the Jaguars. So then after the Jaguars, I got the Eagles. <laughs> I, I like the Eagles a lot, I like what those guys are able to do. And I'm a big fan of Jenna Hurts, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, man, monsters. I think those guys are literally wide receivers one, wide receivers one B. Um, it's it's a thing where you look at what that offensive line looks like. That defense is still trying to go ahead and get get their minds right after all the back and forth they had last season. So I think they're gonna get they're gonna get correct and they're gonna be okay. Uh, so then after the Eagles, now I'm putting the Chiefs in there, and that's purely based off of the love I have for Andy Reid. I do believe he'll get these guys figured uh, like back on track, kind of figure them out a little bit. Patrick Mahomes right now is still the reigning MVP. They're still the reigning Super Bowl champion. So out of respect. I put those guys there, uh, but I do have my concerns. I, I do think that they're a team that can be beat. I, I don't know if if they're going to be able to go ahead and sustain winning games the way they've been playing. Their defense is good, but their offense has not been great. And and just the fact of the matter is, if a defense can take away Travis Kelsey, I, I see Patrick Mahomes struggling quite a bit. So there's some concerns there. Now, after that, I got the 49ers. Uh, listen, I, I don't know what's going on with Brock Purdy. It's looking like he's human. 
and <laughs> we're finally seeing it. But I know every other piece of that team is legit. And I know Debo Samuel was hurt. Christian McCaffrey's banged up. I love their defense. I absolutely love their defense. Those guys are wild. They just got better with the addition of Chase Young. Um, not Chase Young. Um, yeah, Chase Young. Is it Chase Young? Yeah, Chase Young. Uh, and and for me, <laughs> that's that spells that spells scary for a team with one of the best, if not the best, defensive line in all of football. Uh, and then after that, I got the Lions. Love me some Lions, man. Listen, this team is playing well, and I think they're playing well. A, a lot of it has to do with coaching. I think this team is well coached. I think those guys are passionate. They love um, uh, what their coaches brought to the table. How does he allow them to kind of like showcase their skill sets? The offense is clicking. The defense is clicking. I think they're going to be a dangerous team to go out and have to deal with. The Lions, to me, are a, a sneaky favorite of mine to potentially win the NFC. Like 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 first in the NFC. Uh, I just I've enjoyed watching those guys play. Um, so I can I can I see them continuing to keep getting better, keep getting better. Uh, yeah, so the Lions are what's that number seven? That's seven, right? Or is that eight? That's eight. That's eight. So nine is the Cowboys. The listen, I I don't know if I believe in Dak Dak Prescott. I just don't. I, I feel like we've seen this show before with the Cowboys. You know, uh, they, they they make you fall for them a little bit. You start to think they're a legitimate team. Is Dak Prescott a real dude? But at the end of the day, I think he's a mid-quarterback. I don't think they're going to win that division. I think uh, the, the NFC East is still going to go through freaking the Eagles. Um, and I'm just, I'm just not a Cowboys believer, man. I know they demolished uh, some teams to include the Jets. But I look at this team and I, I see a very limited offense. Uh, I don't think Dak Prescott is going to fare very well against some of the better offenses. So for me, I'm just, I just, I struggle to sit here and tell you I believe those guys are legit. So I, I got them at eight, at eight because of that particular reason. Uh, let's see, at nine, the Seahawks, man. I, I hate to say it, man, but Geno Smith has is. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little agitated that Geno Smith figured out how to play football. It took him ten years in the league to figure it out, but he's shown a level of consistency. Um, that we can all kind of look at and say, well, I think they're five and two in that division ahead of the 49ers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, compliments of the bye week, I think. So I look at those guys and I see them as as a concern. I think that what, what it boils down to is the defense is playing good, the, the offense is playing good, and when you have your team playing well on all cylinders, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Um, and so because of that, I have them at nine. And then finally – as crazy as it sounds, and I struggled with this when I was doing this, man, because I was looking at, I was looking at, of course, my Jets, because I really love what this defense has done. I've been looking at the Bills, um, because the Bills are the Bills, and then I was looking at the Bengals, and I don't believe in the Bills. I just don't. They, to me, I look at them. I think Josh Allen is regressing ever since freaking uh, Brian Dable left. So I, I, it was between the Jets for me and that defense and that special teams being elite, and then the Bengals, but. This is the NFL, so I had to be real with myself. I'm with the Bengals. Uh, Joe Burrow is a dog, and I think right now he's looking healthy. Uh, this past week, he played after Joe Burrow. We all expected him to play. I know he's, I think, fourth in the AFC North right now, but I see them going on a run. Uh, they're going to be battling the Ravens potentially for that that top seed in the AFC North. So Bengals are my number 10 team, but that's that's only because they started off so slow. 
Um, just I'm not a believer in the Bills. I believe in the Jets, but that offense terrifies me in terms of what we're going to see week in and week out, as good as the defense and special teams has played. So in terms of the NFL, man, it's, it's a quarterback-driven league. I, I got to go with with the Bengals at, at the number 10 spot. Yeah, respect that, respect that. Um, Sip and Rhino, I know, like I said, you know, guys weren't uh, briefed on it and I uh, don't have to, but what do you, do you want to throw up a top 10 or not? You don't have to. I got a, I got a top 10, and it's actually very scary because I had put it together, and as I was coming up with them, AJ, you kind of were hitting – me and your list is very, very similar. So <laughs> at number one, I got the Chiefs. Uh, I'm trying to I'm I know they're having a rough spot uh, and all of their receivers hands have been banished to the shadow realm. Um, nobody can hold <laughs> on to anything beyond uh, Travis Kelsey. But I think with the Chiefs, you got to respect Andy Reid and his his coaching. He's been doing this for a long time. He's just now post Super Bowl, right? Two Super Bowl uh, trophies uh, and, a, and a third appearance. Um, I think you you. He, the league is now starting to understand and give him the flowers that he's deserved for such a, such a long time. He's, he's one of the best, if not the best coach in the NFL. Uh, and he has the best quarterback in the NFL. So I think you got to put some respect on the chiefs, regardless of what their record is. You got to treat them like Tom Brady and the Patriots, right? They're the guys until they're not the guys. Uh, and they haven't shown us that they're not the guys they They started off slow last year and look what happened. Um, number two, I got the Eagles. Uh, that's a team that is built by Georgia, uh, but happens to play in Philadelphia. Uh, defense is nasty at every single level. They just added Kevin Byard is one of the best safeties in the league that's going to be filling in for the injured. Uh, well, not the injured, but he, I mean, he's injured, but he's no longer back there. The um, CJ Johnson, that was, I think he's in Detroit now. So they're getting some help on the back end. Jalen Hurts doesn't look all the way healthy, but he's playing better than okay. And he's playing behind what could arguably be the the first or second best offensive line. Um, like, you know, like AJ said, they got AJ Brown and they got uh, the Slim Reaper. Those guys catch anything that you throw in their zip code. Number three, I got Joe Burrow in the Bengals because Joe Burrow's the second best quarterback in the league. You can argue with your mom. It's not Josh Allen. It's Joe Burrow. They're heating up. People are getting healthy. Higgins is playing. Jamar Chase is going to get more involved. Joe Mixon is starting to touch the ball. The defense is starting to pin their ears back. Um, they got a decent pass rush. Lou Anarumo is is cooking up something special with the defense, so you got to respect what they're doing. 49ers, I hate this team with my entire soul, uh, but Kyle Shanahan is Kyle Shanahan. He, you know, he turned trash into treasure with Brock Purdy. Yeah, it's it's been three games, but what do you guys expect? This is his first season playing extended action. We knew that he was going to stumble somewhere, but – you know, as AJ pointed out, there are players absolutely everywhere on this team on both sides of the ball. Uh, there are really no deficits. They, I alluded to it earlier. They only got stronger adding Chase Young playing opposite now. Uh, Nick Bosa, where you still have a defense that has Javon Kinlaw, that still has Fred Warner, that still has uh, Eric Armstead in the middle, right? And then uh, uh, Hufunga, who is is turning into a safety, right, is a kid that nobody really had high on their radar. So I think as long as Christian McCaffrey stays healthy because the offense 100% goes through him, I think as long as he stays healthy, you got to respect what they're doing over there. Number five is the Bills. Um, I do agree with Gumby, right? Like, I think Josh Allen's regressing. I think he's been regressing for a long time. And on the nights that he doesn't have a good game, the whole team looks bad. Uh this is, you know, the fourth, fifth year in a row that Sean McDermott can't figure out the offensive line. He can't figure out a cohesive run game. But when Josh Allen is hidden and playing like an MVP Cam Newton 
uh, and you get Stephon Diggs involved, they're still a dangerous combination. They can come in there and they can end anybody's season at any given moment. They have the firepower to do it. Uh, Ravens got to put a lot of respect on Lamar. He's he continues to prove the naysayers wrong. He's 100 percent a quarterback. Stop calling him a running back. Uh, he can throw the ball. He throws one of the prettiest balls in the league. He's got weapons all around him. The reason I have him at six and not higher is because this team hasn't shown that they know how to stay healthy into December and January. And I think ultimately that's the thing that derails our system. Also, we saw the frustrations with Odell last week. Um, how long are you going to be able to keep his emotions in check before he starts demanding to be fed and upsets their rhythm and their tempo? Uh, that could totally derail that offense if the injuries don't. Seven, I have the Dolphins. I don't think that they're going to contend for a Super Bowl, but man, are they a fun team to watch, right? It's a track meet every time the, the ball snaps with that team. Uh, and they've done a good job of keeping Tua upright. We all knew that that was going to be the secret sauce to the season. Keep Tua upright. Make sure Tariq Hill uh, doesn't get injured. Jalen Ramsey in his first game back uh, brings tears to every Rams fan's eyes, not because it's beautiful to see him back on the field, but be to see him in that aqua marine and orange when he should 100% still be in blue and yellow is disgusting, especially when we got a third round pick and a tight end that has the same NFL stats as I do. Um, so uh, I have them there. They're fun. They're going to upset some people. I really like Mike McDaniel as a, as a coach. I think he's super, super smart. Number eight is the Lions, right? Bite some kneecaps. I know uh, Green Bay and Vikings fans don't like this because the Lions have been irrelevant forever, but not anymore. They have the number one offensive line. And I think when you give Jared Goff time, he shows that he can be a pretty damn good quarterback. He's definitely uh, progressed since his arrival in Detroit. They've got weapons every everywhere. I really like Jamison Williams. I like what they're doing with uh, – Jameer Gibbs, um, they just added, uh, you know, another another bona fide player. The defense, I like Aiden Hutchinson. They're, I mean, they're doing good things in Detroit. And unless you're, you know, a division rival, and this is just the guys that you hate, uh, I don't see how you can't root for Dan, for Dan Campbell, man. Like the man wears his heart on his sleeves, and he embodies the city of Detroit. I don't think I've ever seen a coach embody a city like that. So. That's just a good story. Love to see them do well. Um, at number nine, I got the Jaguars. Doug Peterson, been here before, shown that he's a pretty decent coach off the Andy Reid disciple tree, right? He has a ring. He's got Trevor Lawrence playing some good ball. They've got some good offensive playmakers. Christian Kirk is turning into uh, a pseudo one. Calvin Ridley is getting some burn there. They're figuring out Travis Etienne is finally playing how they thought he was going to play when they drafted him because he's healthy. Um, defense could use some work, but – it's, it's fine. They're going to upset somebody. And then I refuse to put the Cowboys in the top 10 because that's a fool's errand. Uh, they've shown us every single week. You blow one team out, then the next week they get absolutely owned. So expect them to lose this week. At number 10, regrettably, I also have the Seahawks. Geno Smith is playing consistent ball. They have hit on the draft for the second year in a row. Devin Witherspoon is an animal. He's physical. He's not afraid of contact. He's really good in coverage. Tariq Woolen as well, good in coverage. They've got it championed by, you know, Bobby Wagner. They got their heart and soul back on defense. Uh, got some young edge rushers. They reunite uh, with Frank Clark this week. They got the offensive line coming together. And then they've just got, you know, Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker and a couple of guys that really don't matter running the ball, right? They're, those are no threats at all. Um, Tyler Lockett doing what he's been doing. DK Metcalf, when he's not being dirty and pushing people after the play and throwing his fits, he's a decent receiver. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I thought was one of the best route runners coming out of college, is really coming into his own. I don't see them winning a championship, but like I said, they're disruptors. They're going to be there to upset a lot of people at the end. 
Uh, Rhino, do you have a list? <clears throat> yeah, I just kind of threw one together here. Well, you guys are all going through yours, so we'll, uh, we'll roll it out. Uh, my number one, Philadelphia, as much as it pains me to say it because I am not an Eagles fan by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, they made it to the, made it to the Super Bowl last year. I, I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan. I love what he's doing there. They've got quality receivers. Uh, you know, running the running game is good. The defense is good. They're pro- they're the most complete team right now. I'm going to preface this list by saying that there I don't think there's any one team that is clearly dominant over the rest of the league right now. They all can be. I think anybody can be beat on any given day. But Philadelphia has at least shown that they're the least likely of that group to stumble and fall at any given week. Uh, number two, I got the Dolphins. Uh, I love Mike McDaniel. I was hoping that we would have hired him when we hired, you know, two year, or last year when we hired Kevin O'Connell, Mike McDaniel was in the mix. I love what he's doing down there. I love his enthusiasm. That offense he's got going is creative. It puts up points. They don't take their foot off the gas. You know, it's Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill. I never was a big Tua fan, but McDaniel is getting the most out of him, and he's staying healthy this year. Uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey coming back up, obviously, as uh, was mentioned, helps him out. So I got them at number two. Uh, the Ravens I've got number three. Uh, Lamar Jackson is figuring out how to be a complete quarterback. You know, the, he's, he's pushing that stigma of he's a running back that also throws the ball once in a while out the window showing it this year. The Ravens are always tough. Now, the biggest thing with them is can they prove that they can do it in January, which they've had problems doing in the past few years. Four, again, as much as it pains me to say it, I got the Detroit Lions. I, You know, they're a division rival, but after years of, of futility, it's hard to not at least appreciate what they're doing there. Dan Campbell... You know, they're, the team is buying into what he's feeding them, the city. That defense is legit. Their offensive line is legit. Jared Goff, you know, after being basically discarded in with the Ram there and proving that he is a very good quarterback in this league. So I got the five. I got the Bengals. Uh, Joe Burr is – my favorite quarterback in the NFL right now, he's about, I think he's a quarterback in the league not named Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you've got those over there, Jamar Chase and uh, T. Higgins and those guys. They're starting to figure things out. You know, they started off very slow, but uh, they're going to go on a run. And as you know, you guys mentioned earlier, I wouldn't ex- be surprised at all to see them rattle off five, six, seven wins in a row here. And uh you know, make a push for one of the top seeds when it comes to playoff time. Six, I got the Chiefs. Uh, I also agree here. The Chiefs aren't the dominant team that they have been in years past. You know, there's a lot of distractions going around the whole, and I hate to even bring the name up, the whole Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey stuff that we're force-fed every single week. The, you know, Mahomes is showing that he's human. He's got what, eight or nine interceptions I think he's thrown this year now already. And it just something doesn't seem quite there with that team like we've seen year after year for the last, you know, four to five years. So I, I got them at six. Seven, I got the Jaguars. 
Uh, I like what Doug Peterson's doing down there. Uh, you know, he's taken a situation that was, you know, pretty poor two years ago after uh, the Urban Meyer fiasco and all that other stuff. He's turned things around. He's got that team playing hard. Trevor Lawrence is starting to become the quarterback that everybody expected him to be coming out of college. So I got them number seven. Eight, I got the Seahawks. You know, they're, they're probably the most quiet team in the league. Nobody ever says a whole lot about them. But here they are leading the NFC West, you know, at the midway point of the season. Uh, that wide receiver core they got is legit. Geno Smith continues to have a resurgence. Uh, played, you know, proving that last year was not a fluke. He's played extremely well again this year. And Pete Carroll always seems to have good teams. So, I, you know, they're going to be there at the end. Uh, nine, I got the 49ers. Now, if you'd asked me this question at the beginning of the year, I had the 49ers as like one or two. But these last three weeks, they have looked extremely vulnerable. You know, they had a bad loss to Cleveland. Uh, we beat them two weeks ago. And then, of course, the uh, the loss at home to the Bengals this past week. Brock Purdy has regressed severely in the last three weeks. Now, is that a temporary thing or has the league figured him out? I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, you know, some of it with Debo Samuel being hurt and Trent Williams being out is part of the reason why they've struggled the last couple of weeks. But until Purdy can, you know, if he can turn the corner and go back to the way he was playing the first four or five weeks of the season, then, you know, that'll put me back up. And that defense is legit. I've always been a fan of that defense. Uh, now you got Bose on one side, you got Chase Young on the other side. It's only going to make him better. Uh, but I got him at nine. Uh, Ten, I got Buffalo. Again, the Buffalo Bills this year aren't the Buffalo Bills that we've been accustomed to seeing, you know, since Josh Allen has been there. It's just something off again with him. Josh Allen seems to be making more of those mistakes that he was making back you know, in his rookie year kind of thing. I don't know if he's trying to play too much hero ball or if it's the coaching or what's going on there. But he, he doesn't seem like he's the same guy. But, you know, they've still got the weapons and they're in the top ten. Uh, uh, I'll agree with Soup. I refuse to put the uh, Dallas Cowboys in the top ten. Dallas Cowboys are the biggest mirage in the NFL that, you know, they're going to blow the doors off all this stuff during the regular season. And then when it comes to playoffs, they're going to fall flat on their face like we do every year. And I've hated the Dallas Cowboys since Drew Pearson pushed off back in the 70s against the Vikings. So I, re I refuse to put them in the top 10. So, Yeah, I agree 100% there in regards to the Cowboys. So I'll do my list here quickly. Um, Two things. One, there shouldn't be too much of a surprise. None of the teams represented here in this podcast episode are in my top ten. Um, and then two, you know, it's to say it can be interesting in regards to what I have near the top. So I'm going to go differently. I'm going to go bottom to top. At number ten, I have the Seattle Seahawks. You see, a quiet team, I believe. Um, or even Gino, you know, I believe that he is the right person for that system, person for that team. And I think that team can do something in the playoffs and they get there if they do. Um, so that's why they are number 10 for me. Number nine, the Baltimore Ravens. They're hot and cold. I don't know what Ravens team I get each and every week. So that's why they're near the bottom. Eight, the 49ers. Either way, 
lose three in a row, starting with Minnesota, now trying to find their way again. Um, you know, Brock uh, can get back on track, and they'll be fine. You know, like I said, if, if I did these every single week, you know, be fluctuating a lot each and every week. But they're number eight. Number seven, Cincinnati Bengals. I just have to hope and believe they are going to be the Bengals of old, the, meaning the Bengals of current in the last couple of years, being in the top of the AFC, not the Bengals of old, old meaning uh, bottom future of the conference or the division, either way. But I think the Bengals will uh, be able to um, go back up and be what I know they can be. Number six, the high-powered Miami Dolphins. I have them at number six. Um, I still believe in them, but I have them here somewhere in the middle of the world. The Buffalo Bills, you know, I, I – Bills are going to be the Bills, and I'm sure they'll be able to uh, get back to that here shortly. Number four, the Detroit Lions. Um, you know they have earned their spot. Just as much as it's odd that the Packers are are a mess, it's odd that the Lions are the kings of the north right now. So, thank um, you to say it, but but I do respect them, and I really you know, I do like their coaching staff. Um, you know they they were on hard knocks last year, two years ago, whenever that was, um, and really enjoyed. Um, learning about more so their coaching staff, let alone the players um, there. But anyways, four Detroit Lions. Number three, Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. I know it's annoying in regards to this Travis Kelsey, Taylor, Taylor Swift BS, but that is what it is, a bone side thing. But for the Chiefs team, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, <laughs> their somewhat misery, um, but it probably will be short-lived and they'll be back to being how they are. But you have a big test here coming up this upcoming week, and we'll just have to see how that goes. Number two, the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, it should be my one, but at least for right now, they're not um, in regards to here halfway through the season. Um, but they are the team to beat in the NFC specifically. That's why they're number two. And number one, the team that has surprised me the most, I've enjoyed the most, and feel and be the Kings in the NFL if they play two expectations of their fan base and to the expectations I have for them on the outside looking in the Jacksonville Jaguars um, I have them at number one and hey who wouldn't love seeing a Jaguars Lions Super Bowl you know that would be two teams that have never been to a Super Bowl someone's gonna be one no um, in that matchup I probably would cheer for Jacksonville but um, I wouldn't mind seeing Detroit represent the NFC North in the Super Bowl um, and uh, have a Jaguars line, but for right now, my number one is Jacksonville. Yeah, I saw that, AJ. Uh, number one, I have two Eagles, three Chiefs, four Lions, five Bills, six Dolphins, seven Bengals, eight 49ers, nine Ravens, and ten Seahawks. And we go from there. Um, before I move on uh, to the next thing, which will be going over what was the past week Vikings versus Packers. Um, I know, Gunny, you have uh, uh, your next thing going on here at the top of the hour. Um, so I don't know if you, if you got to go. I, I got a few minutes. I'm, I'm good. Let's do it. I'm okay. Few okay. Well, moving forward, like I said, we're going to be talking about uh, with the game that was for the Green Bay Packers that was against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so, Rhino, you know, heading into, into this matchup with Green Bay, what were you feeling then, during, and after? Like, how, how, how was your flow of opinions uh, those three different times, because for me, it certainly was different thoughts before, during, and after. What say you? Um, well, I guess for me, the before and the during were 
post. Uh, I fully expected Brian Flores to cook up, you know, a good defensive scheme to go against Jordan Love and company. Uh, we actually blitzed at one of the lowest rates we have all season. We were 6.7%, I believe it was. For the season, average 50% of the time. Uh, but, you know, we held back. We uh, just rushed with four most of the time, three or four. And, uh, you know, the defense stepped up actually a little better than I expected they were going to, you know, holding the Packers to 15 yards total offense, I believe it was, and didn't have a first down until late in the second quarter. Uh, then they didn't figure out a few things, you know, at halftime in the second half. Uh, I thought the offense, our offense looked pretty good. I thought it was one of the better games. Kevin O'Connell had called for, uh, you know, we, he's had a few conquers this year, but this I thought he did pretty well. Kirk was on point. Jordan Addison to that first round pick status and uh, admirably once again for while Justin Jefferson's out. Um, you know, then with nine minutes and change left in the fourth quarter, the entire crashing down when uh, Kirk stepped up in the pocket, we saw that dreaded ripple in the lower leg and he went down, you know, then hobbled off the field without uh, putting any weight on that leg and, you know, and he went for just a couple of minutes and came out real quickly and got onto the cart. It wasn't good. And uh, we were kind of talking before the show started here that this is probably one of the feelings I've had after a victory. You know, as a Vikings fan, I'm no stranger to heartbreaking, gut-wrenching losses. But, you know, to have a quarterback who was playing – at RUVP type level this year. And, you know, we started off one with uh, all the bad luck in the world, then turned around, went three and one, turned around. And now we have to turn the reins over to a fifth round rookie who uh, his NFL is the last nine minutes of the game last Sunday. So, um, you know, I, I think our team has the I think that he can hopefully keep the ship righted, but uh, that remains to be seen. So. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. AJ, your thoughts in regards to your feelings during, you know, before, during, and and after, because it certainly was uh, interesting <clears throat> on our side here as Packer fans, you know, for the game, but for yourself personally, how are you feeling as, as that was going down, let alone aftermath? Well, before going into it is I kind of expected us to lose and you know we have been the worst team I've ever seen in my entire life in the first half I mean we are the worst first half team ever I mean our offense it feels like we have like 50 total yards going into the first half it's a mess we try and work ourselves back in the second half it's worked once you know we're a mess we have very I thought Jordan played good enough, like better than he has in the past weeks. He threw some good balls. Just no one was making plays. We had way too many drops, like wide open drops, like no one even around dropping first downs. Even Aaron Jones couldn't couldn't haul in balls. 
it's a mess and it's been a mess and it's only going to get worse. We get rid of who I think was our best or second best defensive player this year and Rasul, definitely our best corner with Jair being banged up. You know, we're, we're going down that road where it seems like we're going to be rebuilding a little bit and uh, it's tough. You know, the game was tough. We couldn't, I mean, Jair couldn't stop Jordan Addison. Thank God Justin, Je- or yeah, Justin Jefferson didn't play. He probably would have went for 250. It would have been miserable. I mean, it, it's, we got, we got a long rest of the season, man. It, it's going to be, it's going to be rough, but uh, we'll see what Goot does, you know, I don't know if I, I fully trust him, and uh, I think some people are going to be trying to save their jobs these last couple of weeks, these last these last weeks of the season. Jordan, Matt, Joe Barry, I hope he doesn't save his job. I hope he loses his job. Get him far away from Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> I mean, he, there's there's a lot there's a lot wrong with this team right now, and you know, hopefully, hopefully after the season they can figure it out because. What what's the point of us being a middle of the pack team this year and not getting a a top ten a late top ten pick or top fifteen pick? It's we might as well go for the whole thing. And it pains me to say that because I've never been that way. But I mean, what this team is this team is not going to win anything. They're not going to win the North. They're not going to win a playoff game. Let's let's like actually get serious and think about our future because this team is really young. We we have a ton of young guys going in the right direction for the future. You know, I'm I'm I might seem crazy, but I keep saying it. Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm I'm praying, I'm dreaming everything of number eighteen for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, that's huge. Be, but you that'd know, that'd be double awesome for you. You know, as an OSU oh, yeah. fan and a Packer fan. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, you know, we have a long way to go, and hopefully, the young guys can develop throughout the rest of the year mainly our playmakers, but yeah, we're going down a, a, a bad path right now, man. It's, it's going to be a long, a long ride the rest of the season. We'll see. Hey, Jay, I got a question for you, if that's okay. Oh, yeah, man. I love me. I love me some Marvin Harrison Jr. too. The kid is the truth. I think oh, yeah. he's by far the best player in this draft. Mm. But y'all the Packers. Y'all have been successful based off of having the ability to to just stack quality quarterbacks, you know what I'm saying, in terms of, of that organization. Yeah. If you guys are in a position to get one of the top guys, like I I have a hard time – and, again, this isn't to say, yeah. like, you know, we know what Jordan Love is, but I think, like, you see a guy like C.J. Stroud and you know C.J. Stroud's got this figured oh, yeah. out. Like, his kid's going to be a dog. In no doubt. You know what I'm saying? And, and I look at, at Jordan Love and – I think right now he's what last in the league in terms of completion percentage, which is a new space for Packers fans to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife is a huge Packers fan, and she was saying like, Ugh, "I'm gonna stand by to see what's good," but she hasn't seen enough to say like, "This is the guy that can go ahead and continue the Packers tradition of just having elite quarterbacks." If you have a shot at one of those guys, do y'all pass on that? Would y'all be okay with passing on one of the top guys in this draft? This, I, I think. The this quarterback class this year is loaded, top to bottom. There's a ton of guys. You know, Marvin is like once in a lifetime generational wide receiver talent coming out of coming out of college. I mean, he is an absolute freak. I think he completely flips a team's offense. But you know, for Jordan, I know the completion per- percentages of what it is. And he hasn't always made the right throws, but 
I mean, there's I don't know many quarterbacks that could be thrown into this situation in Green Bay right now, and that would succeed. I mean, this O line is terrible. The weapons are awful. I mean, Aaron Jones is banged up. Christian Watson is not really getting used, and he hasn't been great. He has not been what he was going to be at the end of last year. So, you know, Jordan's dealing with a lot, and I, I think he's handled it okay. He's he stayed positive, and I feel like there's some people that are still behind him, and I hope we continue to be that way towards the end of the season because once we get in a situation where we got to start drafting quarterbacks already, then I just feel like we go down that road of, like, it's going to be nonstop. We're just going to keep drafting quarterbacks. I, I like this class for quarterbacks, but I just – I don't think they, they compare to Marvin. I said, I mean, if we get Marvin and then if Jordan's not good with Marvin, then we have another year of it and then bring on the next guy. But I'm, I'm, I'm a little biased, especially since I'm a huge Ohio State fan. So Marvin Harrison's like – Oh, the kid's special. Man. Brother, you're, you're not oh, yeah, wrong. No that doubt. kid is – Special, oh, yeah. like he is oh, yeah. fun to watch on Saturdays. Oh, yeah. He's going to be more fun to watch on Sundays. Sunday, no, he, oh, if, if, he he's not going to be fun to watch on Sundays because I'm going to have to deal with him in my division because he's <laughs> going to be a cardinal. He's going to be a cardinal, and I'm going to be sick. Yeah, <laughs> that, I'm, I'm glad AJ said that too. I don't that term generational talent gets thrown around so much, man. It's becoming diluted, and it's always associated with quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Look, Trevor Lawrence is not generational. We've seen no. him go ahead and go through his struggles. He's yeah. no Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck came into a crap situation and still yeah. outperformed. He was generational, generational. right? Like, yeah. so in terms of of uh, assigning that term to mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison Jr., no doubt that kid is generational. Yeah. Like, you see it on tape, and you're looking like, yeah, oh, yeah. on Sunday, like you just said, on you Sundays, I mean? this kid's gonna be yeah, a man. problem. <laughs> I, I gotta no push doubt. back. I think he's gonna be a problem, but. I think you made a good point about that. You know, the term generational being thrown out. Mm-hmm. We've seen. Plenty, and I mean plenty, of prolific college D1 athletes that for some reason when they come to the league, it just – they don't shine the same way. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that they fall off entirely, but they just don't shine the same way. Now, do I think – do I think that that's going to be, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr.? No, I don't think that that's going to be him. I think the likelihood of that happening is is very slim to none. The same way I think Mm -hmm. that when Caleb Williams comes out that he's not going to be the guy that he's been. I, I think, um, I think it's slim. I'm telling you, bro, I, I, I think Caleb Williams is going to be the biggest it. bust. That he's you. going to be a embarrassing been, bust. I don't know. He's been acting a fool. Well, I, all I'm saying, I all I'm saying is you keep saying the biggest bust. I say Bo Nix is still in this draft, so stop. Because people are pretending like he didn't <laughs> – like the Auburn years didn't exist. So they, they're they selling they're selling high on Bo Nix right now, and I think he's got the biggest, biggest bust potential written all over him. I, I think Drake May and McCarthy – are the ones mm-hmm. that are going to explode oh. from this draft class. Oh, Lord. Roger that, Roger that. Lord. I, Why? I, Why are for, we talking about J.J. For, McCarthy? Why? Thank you. Look, for the record, A.J., you're going to hate me. I'm a passionate Michigan fan. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't. I agree with that, though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand it. He looks He looks good, but I'm sorry. like that. He doesn't scream NFL. I'm watching the games, and I'm frustrated because we don't blow people out until the second half, and part of it is because of how he plays in the first half. Mm-hmm. I like the kid. We're winning. So as yeah. long as he continues to win for Michigan, I'm good with it. <laughs> but in the NFL, yeah, I don't think so, bro. Yeah, Michigan has other problems right now. So Yeah, I, I think there's a lot more Absolutely. to it than just, than just McCarthy, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah. Although you 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 are not the Michigan fan that uh, has said that they don't think JJ McCarthy is going to translate well to the NFL. I got a 
buddy of mine that does another podcast. He is a diehard Michigan fan, and he's made that same comment that you just made that he doesn't, he's not sold on JJ McCarthy being a uh, elite level quarterback in the NFL. So. I, I hope that a lot of GMs feel the same way and he drops so far that the Jets can take a chance in the second or the third round. I pray to he God. Could be. He could be a second. That, that, he could be a second round. I, bro, I'm, I think McCarthy has the tangibles that you just can't teach. Size, cannon for an arm, mm-hmm. the kid's a baller. I get it. Like he, It's frustrating because, again, it's got to be right between the ears. I see what you guys are talking about. Like between the ears, it's got to be right. And sometimes you look at him and you're like, what the hell? Like It makes you question some things. <laughs> yeah, but I think, again, again, let's be honest, man. Harbaugh is a defensive-minded coach, right? He's in a, in a school that prioritizes defense predominantly. Mm-hmm. I think uh, – imagine McCarthy with a guy like freaking uh, McDaniel. Oh, yeah. Tell me you wouldn't be shook. You wouldn't be shook of having to I'd deal be, with that. I'd be excited to Bruh. see it. And look, listen, if you if you play for Michigan and you come out, you come to the league, I'm rooting for you. I wish you well unless 100%. you play, unless that's, you play that's for fair. the 49ers yeah. or unless you play for the Cowboys or unless you play for the Seahawks, then I, 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 hope, you, I hope you trip and fall on your face. Okay? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay? <clears throat> I do the same thing with every Ohio State player that comes out the league. Hey, I, I, I wish you only the worst things unless you come to play for the Rams, and I hope that you're the best ever to come and do it. Okay? I'm just being honest. Oh, yeah. But, I love yeah. the honesty. I love the honesty. <laughs> yes, if you do, yeah, if you do right. JJ McCarthy and Mike McDaniel's on paper, I want to see it because in my head yeah. it could be something dangerous, but then it can yeah. also be something really, really disgusting to look at as well. So I, I don't. It could know. be a Trey Lance situation. Well, it could listen, be a Trey Lance now, situation. Let's let's just let's just let's just state facts for what they are. Right in the history of Michigan football, for as long as we've been putting players into the NFL, there has been one, and I mean one what you could call successful quarterback from the University of Michigan. Arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. But if you remember him from Michigan, he didn't look like he did in the NFL at that point. Uh, We are still waiting to see the generational quarterback from Ohio State. Uh, We might have one. We might have one in C.J. Stroud. Might have one. But we're still waiting to see that happen. So I don't put a lot of stock. Those, Like I said, it's my team. I ride with the Wolverines till I die. But – History is I'm, history for a reason. I'm Until so, you show me something different, I'm somebody so breaks those mold, I that. can't. I'm so glad you said that. Which which major uh, college team has the most first-round draft picks from quarterbacks in NFL history? Anybody? It's not. I know it's not one of the ones that I'm thinking of. It's it's some like obscure team. Yeah, because my guess is going to be USC. I'm going to say you. That is correct, Stevie. It is USC. They also have the most. They've never won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and the the best thing to ever come out of there is Carson Palmer. USC to me, bro. Every time I see a quarterback out of there, I'm like, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. I mean, now you you add Lincoln Riley into the situation with this whole Caleb Williams thing. We've seen this story before. He had us fooled with Baker Mayfield. He had us fooled with Kyler Murray. I don't understand how we're still falling for the Lincoln Murray freaking mm-hmm. quarterback in 2023. Bro, like, you think Michigan's bad? You USC has been the biggest scam artist of top quarterbacks <laughs> drafted in the NFL. Historically, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah it's bad, bro. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I think it's his personality. I think that's also rubbing off with regards to I the think, yep. history of USC yeah. quarterback. That, personality that's one, one of the biggest things. It's going to be a bust. One of the biggest things I've, you know, the more I, because I've obviously been paying a lot of attention to quarterbacks this year just from the Vikings situation even before Kirk got hurt. 
but watching and seeing Caleb Williams's attitude and and some of the stuff that's going on off the field, not only on the field, yep. I'm I'm cooling on him quite a bit. And honestly, we were yeah. talking about this before you jumped on Gumby. Was, I personally Drake May is my number one. I and love any way, any way, any way, shape, Drake or form, May. the Minnesota Vikings can get Drake May. I will shotgun a couple of beers Bro, and I will not. run down the freaking street carrying a Vikings flag, screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I want to see that video. And Gumby, I like. I'll, I'll, I'll be on TikTok. I'll let you know. I Roger. told Rhino I like Drake May as well, but the, the mm-hmm. argument, the the pushback that I get because I get the the conversation around Caleb right now, right? Especially the the negative criticism of him as late as it comes to his personality and things that I under, I understand all of that. Um, I think what you see, regardless of the history, right? You, what you see with your eyes, what you see on Saturdays when he does it, right? There's more than enough talent there that you know people are going to take the risk. Um, with the way that the NFL has been, with the way that offensive linemen coming out of college have been as of late, transitioning into the NFL, it's been rough. We've seen there's yeah. there's a lot of high caliber offensive linemen prospects that a lot of them they come to the league and for some reason, right? It just it's hard for them to latch on. You know about mm-hmm. this. You got a guy on there, Makai yep. Becton. You yep. you know, Becton. right? I, get it. I, I had Greg Robinson. Okay, I had Greg Robinson That's on my team. Yep. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but it hasn't gotten better. It's actually gotten works i think you could argue in terms of some of these offensive linemen especially these high profile ones because of that reason right and you know that these quarterbacks are going to go high so they're going to go to a team that's pretty damn awful uh they are going to be expected to create off structure and i i've seen may outside of structure and it is not something that is pretty so i think if you're willing to get it understanding that he's going to be probably year one He's going to be under duress, and you're going to have to either make big swings in free agency or at the trade deadline to acquire some pieces to keep him upright. And then the next year, spend lots and lots of capital to continue to keep him upright and protected. I think unless you're prepared to do that, it is a dangerous proposition. I get it. I love what we're seeing, you know, composure wise. He's the picture of what you want for your QB1, right? Gets gets on the podium, says the right things, does the right things. None of his teammates have anything negative to say about him. Clear, clear talent, but the the off schedule playmaking, especially the way that the NFL has transitioned right now with these defenders that are getting faster and faster and faster and these edge rushers that are just crazy. You're going to need somebody to be able to make plays off schedule. I don't know if he can on a consistent basis. Mm. Oh, I know I got to jump off. So I'm I'm going to say this to counter that. Right. So Drake May is also a quarterback for for what school? University of North North Carolina. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Bro, they, they're not known for football. That is a football university. I, at the end of the day, for you to make those off-scripted plays, you got to have wide receivers, running backs who understand the game and can adjust with you and adapt with you. I really think he's a one-man army out there, man, playing uh, at a higher level and trying to get, bring these guys up with him. At the NFL level, it's the NFL. A lot of these guys have a lot higher level of talent. They can mm-hmm. understand, hey, my quarterback's moving. I got to move with them. I don't see that. If you watch the games, I don't see the running backs or the wide receivers adjusting as he's moving out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And he's had to go ahead and try to make some miracle plays. So, and and the only reason I know that is because one of my boys said the same thing you're saying. They're worried about the like the, the mm-hmm. out of pocket off script plays. And I was just like, man, that's a good point. And I looked back and I was just like, well, of course not, man. He's freaking running left, and this freaking wide receiver is still right. going upfield. And, like nobody adjusts. And I guess I, I think that has a lot to do with it too. 
A hundred percent. Right. And I, when I'm talking about his ability to make the off schedule plays, I'm not just basing this on the fact of what he's been able to create off schedule. Cause you're right. He's only one half of that equation. When I watch him leave the structure, he looks visibly shaken and uncomfortable. Like he doesn't know what he's doing. And maybe you're right. Maybe he's looking down the field and he's just as confused as the rest of us. We're like, where is the help coming from? How come nobody's adjusting their routes or anything? So maybe that's what it is, but he just looks over his skis every time he comes out of structure. And I don't think that that's a skill that you can teach. I think you either are able to do it or you can't. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Either way, I think nobody faults these – the teams that are going to be picking at the top of the draft, right? If you go with Caleb Williams and you go with Drake May, because I feel like that's going to be one and two, maybe one and three, because maybe Marvin Harrison goes to the two, depending on where Arizona falls, right? right? But I don't think anybody's going to look at – Whoever those teams are that draft them and be like, y'all are stupid for taking either one. Don't of them. mess up because <laughs> I, got I you. promise you, outside of Kansas up. City or Cincinnati, if it was your team in those positions, you'd be happy as hell if they drafted one of those guys too. I <laughs> I want nothing to do with Caleb Williams. I'll be on record to say right now, if the Jets lose win, lose every game for the rest of the season, and Caleb Williams is available to us, I will lose my mind if we draft that kid. Well, I, I will. Oh, I want to see that video that happen, but well, look, I will. I will go wrong. on record and say, Caleb. I know they're talking bad on your name, brother, but if you want to come play for the L.A. Rams, I will buy the nail polish for you, okay? <laughs> I'll buy all the blue and yellow nail polish you want, brother. You said for life. You're covered. Yeah, you're covered. Covered. All right, well, I know you got to go, Gunny, but it was great to have you. So here for the last few seconds, any last words? Let the people know where they can find you on social media and on YouTube yeah. and otherwise. Of course, of course. Hey, you can find me at New York Jet Situation Report, um, New York Jet Sit Rep on uh, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, man. I just love talking Jets, love talking football. I'm all about debates. Uh, if you want to go ahead and jump in with me, I'll chop it up with you. Um, and yeah, man, always love chopping up with you, Stevie. You and I text like every day. <laughs> uh, I'll have my my freaking uh, predictions for you here by the end of the night. Don't worry about that. It's coming. Hey, no rush. I know um, you're busy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, man, appreciate the invite, guys. Hey, man, hey, soup, hey, Vikings Uncensored. Appreciate you guys, man. Love chopping it up with you guys. Y'all have a good night. All right, you too, brother. Right. But yeah, it's um, it's interesting in regards to this debate because, like I said, in regards to Caleb Williams, mm-hmm. just personally, he just rubs me the wrong way, and and all the stuff he's chit chat or saying, and wanting owning teams and do this, and think he's better than others, and all that. His and Stevie, his I- USC, you know. I'm just gonna complex that he has. I think it's just, I think it's just when he gets to the NFL, it's not going to work, and that's going to be a bust. I don't think it. To me, it's not his playability that I think it's going to be a bust. His personality is going to stop him from achieving what he can achieve as a player. So if he can change that when he comes to the NFL, whether it's for the Rams, Packers, Vikings, or Texans, whatever team drafts him, then maybe he'll be great. But if he doesn't. Then his ass is gonna be out of the league in four years. I'm only gonna push back slightly, Stevie, just because I get the I get the the comments right, mm-hmm. and it, forget the talent. Somebody has to find, and we talked about this off air before we went on, right? Somebody has mm-hmm. to find. Can you actually find the transcript, the comments, whatever interview it is, right? Because this guy has a camera in his face pretty much 24 seven when he's at the podium speaking. Where did he say that he's going to demand this ownership? I feel like that story came out of nowhere. Very much in the same way I feel like the list of the teams that he's willing to play for kind of came out. I've done I've done some digging 
trying to find the interview, trying to find the reputable source saying that he where they're like documented. He oh, said these he said these it? things and I haven't found it. So if indeed he is really saying these things, I I agree with you guys 100%. You got to call the character into question because as QB1, face of the franchise, the leader of men, you you got to that personality kind of sits weird with me, but I haven't found it. And I feel like they're trying to do a bit of character assassination on the guy. And I just, I don't want to be a part of that. If in fact, he's not saying that I want to give the man an opportunity to I come out and it. show us who he is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to come in on, you know, back to the Drake May thing, like you're talking about the off schedule thing and going to a bad team. Now, you know, part of the reason I think he would be a perfect fit for what we've got is he would be walking into a very good situation here. It's just, you know, circumstances. We've got one of the best set of bookend tackles in the league. Christian Derrissaw is an absolute monster. And Brian O'Neill is a very good right tackle. Our, the interior is a little suspect, but they're starting to, they're playing better. But you, any of these kids, you give them the weapons, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, me. This offense will be tailor-made for a young quarterback to come in and, and succeed early. I mean, look, if you guys want to send Christian Derrissaw down to L.A., <laughs> I would be appreciative. Uh, we, we, still think, uh, we, we still think Mike Mayock and John Gruden every day that they thought Alex Leatherwood was going to be a better left tackle than Christian Derrissaw. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, anytime, they, anytime the Raiders want to do the league a favor. Right. Yeah, the Raiders. <laughs> Yeah, it's really interesting in regards to, you know, what, what can be. And, and and kind of pivoting on that in a way, you know, talking about, Rhino, your Minnesota Vikings, you know, I was very happy for Josh mm -hmm. to be uh, traded to Minnesota. I think he'd be able to um, to step in there, maybe not this upcoming week, but, but weeks in the future and be your QB1 for the rest of the season and see where you can go. Um, you know, he was doing pretty well in Arizona. Um you know, and from what I know from him personally, we know from him as a player. Uh, I think he's serviceable enough to be able to to bring to carry Minnesota somewhere. Um, and then you do what you need to do in the off season, depending on when your off season starts. But Josh Dobbs, um, you know, I hope he does well in Minnesota, really, and I actually mean that. Um, and I hope he is QB one week ten, um, and go from there. But what, what do you think, Rhino? What is your, as a Viking, you know, you, you, you know your own team. Um, and Josh coming in there, do you think he should be QB1 week 10 or, or at all? I, from, from everything I've been hearing from the, uh, you know, the sources, for all the guys that cover this team on a regular basis, the plan right now is for Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall is starting against Atlanta this weekend. That's right. Right. Kevin mm -hmm. O'Connell's already came out and said that that's happening. They're going to try to get Dobbs up to speed enough to be the backup this week, which I will take Josh Dobbs with two days worth of practice over Sean Mannion with nine years worth of experience. So, uh, you know, and I think, and the, the Vikings hope is that Jaron Hall plays well enough to where we don't need to turn to Dobbs and he will be the backup because Nick Mullins is our primary backup, but he's been on IR for three weeks now with a bad back. Uh, and, you know, anybody who's over the age of 40 and has back issues, 
you know that once you start having them, they usually don't go away. And even for the younger guys, you know, the you know, 30s and whatever all else. So I'm and we haven't heard this as a fact, but I know some of the people in the know that I trust their opinions of, and I kind of thought this right off the get-go too when I heard about Dobbs coming in is potentially Mullen's back isn't as good or isn't you know progressing along as much as they thought because he's eligible to come off next week. Hmm. And I think probably more than anything, at least in the immediate term, is the Josh Dobbs move was to give us a legit backup in case Jaron Hall falls flat on his face, which he very well might. He's a fifth-round pick. I mean, kid is very smart, very accurate, doesn't seem to get rattled. He's well-spoken up in front of, you know, up in front of the reporters and stuff this week that doesn't necessarily translate to the field, but you know, if he either, you know, does not play well, comes in and throws four interceptions this weekend or what have you, or God forbid, even, you know, he gets hurt. We had no other valid, no valid options at quarterback on the roster. And, you know, with Dobbs, you know, he started every game for Arizona this year so far. I know the the winds aren't there, but as we all know, Arizona is a raging dumpster fire. So uh, you can't lay that all on the feet of him. He's, you know, he's a Dobbs is a very smart guy. You know, he's a he's literally an aerospace engineer. He's a rocket scientist, and uh, I think he's, he was like a 4.0 in engineering. I'm an engineer by trade, so anybody that can get a full, uh, 4.0 in engineering, I got the utmost respect for from an intelligence standpoint. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know he, he's he's accurate enough, and he's got that dual threat. That's something Minnesota hasn't had around here since, you know, ba- basically back to Culpepper to a point, and then even further back, of course, Brian Tarkenton. But I think part of the reason, the thing with Dobbs too, is Jaron Hall's skill set. You know, with being able to move around, make plays with his legs and things like that. And Dobbs are they have a similar skill set anyway. So if something happens you don't have to change the offense for a third time. We do have to change it going to just going to hall because, you know, he's more mobile. He gets out, moves around stuff. Kirk cousins, you know, was a pocket pass, basically a statue there for most of the time. He would move around a little, but never been known for his legs. So you have to change things up to take advantage of the skill set of the guy you have in there. And I think Dobbs and hall line up fairly well, in similarities, so that's going to help. You know, whether whichever one of them is playing, I think the two of them having that, being able to kind of bounce off each other, is, can only be a benefit. I mean, you guys get a big win against a division rival, the Packers, even though we are a mess, but you still, you know, you have to win in the end. I mean, you're four and four right now, and you're looking up to the Lions, who are six and two, so you're not that far off. You know, I was, you know, because uh, um, Vikings report. Mm-hmm. On YouTube, um, Ed Glover and, and the boys over there. Um, I, I watch them every week and and uh, becoming friends yeah, and all that here on social media and, yeah. and talking with them, you know. And they're like, "Yeah, we can't even enjoy this win because we lose our quarterback." You know, we're 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 in the thick of things, and you know, they don't. I don't, I don't know. They really believe in regards to the Vikings winning the division, but having a chance to get to get a wild card. So from talking to them. Uh, on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, um, in DMs and stuff, that obviously they're happy for the win and where their spot is at in regards to record-wise and what could be. But now it's 
you know, what we're going to do in regards to the quarterback situation. You know, who do we really want to trust as fans, you know, for the Vikings, Skull Nation, I guess, there. So, you know, for you, for you, Sir Rhino, you know, what are, what are your thoughts in, in that kind of thinking? You know, you, you got a big win in the record that you are. Who knows what the Lions can do? They can fall flat on their face themselves. Yep. You know, you, you have a chance. But now you have what could be a quarterback carousel in a way in these next few weeks, depending on how your rook does. Um, what's your outlook for the rest of the season? It's kind of the same thing. Uh, Drew and Ted over there, Vikings support, they're good friends of ours. You know, Drew was the guy, one of the guys that got me into podcasting several years ago. So most awesome. those guys, good friends, love them. Um, but yeah, that, and that's the thing we're looking at here. You know, when we started off the season at one and three, you know, a good chunk of the fan base was okay. Let's fire sale. Let's trade to Neil Hunter. Let's do this. Let's do that, and tank for Caleb Williams or whoever. But, and you know, we turn it around and go three and three, and all of a sudden we're only two games out of the. We get out of what was without a doubt the the hardest part of our season schedule wise at five hundred. We have five very winnable games in the next few weeks here. That, up until we go to Cincinnati, which is going to be very tough. But, you know, and kind of the same thing I was talking about a few minutes ago when I was talking about how I think Drake May could succeed in this offense because of the weapons and, and that we have. The same thing goes for whether it's Josh Dobbs, whether it is Jaron Hall. You know, we have the bookend tackles that can help keep him upright. He's got Jordan Addison and KJ Osborne best wide receiver in the NFL back when Justin Jefferson comes off of injured reserve. TJ Hawkinson, I think, is going to be Jaron Hall's best friend this weekend because Atlanta's going to blitz the hell out of Hall. They're going to pressure him. They're going to try to make him make mistakes. You know, rookie in his first start. You're going to have Hawkinson running in that short to intermediate route where he's safety valve. I think that getting the ball out quick to guys like him, they're going to have probably cut the shortened routes up a little bit. I think Hall can at least play well enough to keep this wild card discussion. You know, without Cousins, I think probably the to this catch in Detroit, it's conceding the NFC North in Detroit yet, but I think it's a longer, it becomes a long shot now. But I think, especially as wide open is, if we can play 500 football, go five and four in the last nine games, nine and eight might get you that seven seed in the wild card spot. Now, are, are we with a rookie and stuff like that? Are we going to make any noise in the playoffs? Probably not. But you know, I, I'm and you know, like I talked about the contingent of the fan base that wants to tank and everything else. I have grown up. Watched this team for 40 years, you know, and had my heart ripped out and had it stomped on the ground more times than I care to remember. With you know, the Vikings having, oh, this is our year, 1998, we go 15 and one, lose the NFC Championship game. You know, 2009, we have Favre coming in over here, and we have a magical season, and only only to get bounty gated in the NFC Championship game and not make it. 2017. Case Keenum comes out of nowhere and leads this team to the NFC Championship game before we fall flat on our face. 
We go back to 1987, a NFC Championship game against Washington, where Darren Nelson drops the game-tying touchdown pass at the goal line. I cannot, in good, you know, for, for as much blood, sweat, and tears as I put into this team over the years, I cannot, in good conscience, cheer for us to tank. You know, mm-hmm. If it if it happens, but we're we're playing hard, and we're you know, so be it. I mean, if we end up you know, six and 11 or something like that. That's probably better for us in the long run because it puts us in a better position. We don't have to give up quite so much to go get a quarterback in the future and some other draft pieces. But I, I want us to go out there and play as hard as we can, win as many games as we can, and let the chips fall where they may. And I think that, you know, we can, we should be able to play 500 ball on the, the rest of the way out at, at least. You know, we have two games with Detroit. We have one with Cincinnati. So that's those three games right there are going to be very tough, but the rest are very winnable. And, uh, hmm. you know, I, I'm, I haven't given up on the team yet this year. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen here. And either way, you know, if we make a, make a splash and, you know, do what's unexpected and get somewhere great, if we fall flat and get a better draft pick next year, so be it. Either way, it gives us a lot of stuff to talk about on the show. And, uh, you know, I, ma- I made a comment about this the other night when we had our did our, uh, our regular Friday show that, uh, you know, I've gone through watching this team, like I said, for decades, not win anything. One more year is not going to hurt me if we don't win anything this year. So. Well, I know in regards to uh, Packers and Rams, you know, kind of was saying heading into the Broncos game, we're more similar than we want to mm-hmm. believe, especially from the Packers side of things. Um, you know, from Chiefs Nation and not, um, we're just not used to being in this headspace as fans. We're not used to being in this uh, situation as a team. And, um, you know, we're used to um, dominating the division, losing in NFC Championship games, but always being in the top 10 and sometimes Super Bowl favorites, but at least in the conversation. Um, and yeah, it just feels weird to be in the situation where we might be tanking for a player. You know, we're, we're not, um, we're not that franchise. And we never thought we were going to be that franchise. You know, that we always see every year, like whether it's Arizona or Jacksonville in the past or whatever, like, you know, that's them. It wouldn't be us. Um, you know, after Favre left and we gave, hand the reins over to Aaron, might take a little bit, but I think we're going to be fine. Then we were. Now we hand the reins over to Jordan Love. We believe we're going to be fine. It's bumpy right now. The future's unwritten. We'll see. Um, but like the Broncos and like the Rams that are finding their way, and having their own issues in Denver and L.A., the Packers this season are more equal to the Denver Broncos, more equal to the L.A. Rams, and we lost to Denver. So what's that say here against L.A.? Are we going to – see, it's not even Packers playing down to their competition because now we are that. Mm-hmm. So are we playing up? Do we need to play up to the Rams? Do we need to find a drive 
and being able to just take it and beat them and be able to start something and be able to have a season. We'll see. Well, I can answer it for you. Uh, no, you don't have to play up to play the Rams. And I say that, look, I love my Rams and I get called out on Twitter every single day for not being a real Rams fan. I've been cheering for this team for 24 years of my life. Overwhelming majority of those 24 years has been misery, darkness, nothing to hope for where the best that we could hope for was a 500 season. Like I remember that that was the overwhelming majority from my childhood all the way through high school and college. That's what I was hoping for a 500 season. If we could just finish at 500, please, that was what I was begging for. Um, the Green Bay Packers.
So, uh, hopefully, I, I, I feel like my mic was on. I hope so. <laughs> Either way, um, yeah, man. Like I said, Steve, I think there's a there's a real world where you guys can win this week. There's a we've got a lot of deficits all over the place. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what what concerns you about going against this Rams team? Can I ask? Like, as a fan, when you look at yeah. this matchup, where you're like, man, where did they scare me? No, no, you can ask, and I'll answer that here shortly. But before I do, um, other guys here, Rhino, he has to go, things to do, people to see, people to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but before he goes, uh, any last words? Promote yourself, social media, and your YouTube channel. They watch uh, one of your uh, latest videos, let alone earlier videos, just to get acquainted to Vikings Uncensored on YouTube. But let the people know they can find you. Well, first off, I want to thank thank you for having me on and had a great time talking football with you guys. I, I love getting on and doing all this kind of stuff. Uh, you can find Vikings Uncensored on YouTube and Facebook at Vikings Uncensored. Uh, we do shows every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, Monday shows are always live. I go, I do that solo. We kind of use it as a bent line wrap up of the, the weekend's game. Uh, Wednesday, my co-host on the main show, Lance, does it a uh, spot we call Brunswick's Best, where he takes a look at the best players in Vikings history going numerically. So we, every week he goes and takes a number, we look at the best players to wear that jersey in Vikings history. Uh, got a good one coming out. Actually came out tonight uh, looking at numbers 26, Antoine Winfield, Robert Smith, a bunch of other guys. And then our main studio show is 6 p.m. on Fridays. We go live as often as we can, sometimes due to work schedules we have to record. But, uh, we will be going live this weekend on Friday to uh, preview the Atlanta game and talk about you know all the quarterback stuff and things like that. I'm also on Twitter at Bikes Uncensored. I try to interact there as much as I possibly can. I enjoy mixing it up, talking, talking football, whether it's Vikings related or just regular NFL related. I live, die, eat, and breathe football, but... Uh, want to thank you guys again for having me on here and uh i am gonna have to hop off i got uh some other obligations i have to go take care of but uh thanks again for having me on yeah pleasure meeting you dude take care man have a good evening later now you were asking me in regards to like what what scares me or what worries me in regards to facing the brands why i think we're gonna lose well our cornerback situation our defense i think more so cornerbacks than defensive line not being able to stop anything i think matthew stafford playing my worry be able to even stop any symptoms of a run game the Rams do have. They play hard. You know, like I said, I'm a Packer fan, but I watch all the games. I have red zone. So uh, not NFL plus, but red zone. Um, but the point is, I've seen the Rams play the last three weeks, even it, whether it was losses or whatever it was for L.A. They seem like they they can have it. They just haven't found it. Mm-hmm. And my worry is they're going to find it against Green Bay. Um, so that's for me where my worry is and concerns and do I really believe in our defense to be able to stop them, our offense to be able to, uh, push drives against their defense. You know, it's a whole team thing that has me worried in regards to this game. I'm probably going to predict Green Bay to win. Yes. But, um, you know, not as confidently as I technically did against Denver. So uh, coming off of by, I think we're going to. You know, we get right after bye weeks. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be um, going to be something that's for sure. Yeah. 
Uh, and just for a program note, AJ will be back when he can. They're having a fire drill. For those that don't remember, AJ is going to college in, in Tampa Bay, Florida. Um, 20 years old, going to a media uh, journalism degree uh, there in Tampa. So uh, he's uh, doing fire alarm, other stuff going on, whatever. He'll be back when he can. But for you, I don't know if you were talking about this earlier because I was able to hear 60% of what you're saying. 40% was cut off. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are your concerns facing the Packers that you don't think your team will be able to stop a mud hole in Green Bay? Uh, I think it's the familiarity that you know Matt LaFleur has with Sean McVay and this team. He knows them intimately. He knows what our strengths and our weaknesses are. Um, I'm also worried that Matt Stafford is not going to be under center this this Sunday. Uh, he's he's going to be a game-time decision, and I think if you leave it up to Matt, he's going to play. Um, if uh, As a fan, I want, I want to see Matt play because I want to win. Um, but also, I think for the long term, it would be better if we put Matt on ice and let him sit this game out and then next week we're on a bye and it would make sense. Let him get the two weeks to, to kind of just keep that hand, uh, you know, out of harm's way. Um, I don't have any faith in Brett Rippian or, or Dresser win. So that that's my that's my big concern is who's going to be under center for us. And then I talked about it just like you have concerns uh, with your secondary. I have concerns with with my secondary as well. I'll continue to mention this until I'm blue in the face. Um, Darian Kendrick is an absolute problem and not in the not in the in the right way for me. Um, Darian Kendrick is is continues to give up play after play after play after play. And when he's not giving up the play, he's giving it up via flag, moving opponents down the field at inopportune moments of, uh, of time and just you know, really helping move these offenses that our defenses have stopped, but we give it up on undisciplined, stupid penalties. Um, you coupled that, and I said, I know Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is still a frightening, frightening person. Um, I know that, you know, offenses are still game planning to to take him out, uh, but when you're getting double teamed and quadruple teamed, triple teamed, and nobody else on your defensive front can find their way home and affect the quarterback. I think that's a problem. So I'd love to see uh, I'd love to see this defense really get off on a battered offensive line for the Green Bay Packers. I'd love to see a change at DB, uh, whether that's Duke Shelley, whether that's uh, you know Trey Tomlinson. I'd love to see you know, those guys get a shot to go out there and play on, on the outside and, and compete with some of these uh, Green Bay receivers. I do think that there's a world that if we can get back to Jordan Love, I think he's shown a proclivity to, to he can get a little bit rattled um, when you start getting into his face. So, you know, if Aaron Donald can get home, if Byron Young can get home, uh, Michael Hoyt, when they don't put him out there on a tight end, my, you know, a big fear that I have is that he's going to be stuck out in space on a tight end or God forbid, a a receiver for some odd reason, and he's going to be in space trying to cover those guys. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a tougher challenge. I think earlier in the year, if you had asked me, hell, even if you had asked me maybe two weeks ago, Hey, how do you feel about going green, going into green Bay? Um, I would have told you, yeah, I'm looking forward to the green Bay matchup because I think that's going to be an opportunity for us to, to really tune this team up and really start firing on all cylinders. And it very well still could be, uh, going into this matchup, but uh, 
I don't have as much confidence as I as I did have going into it before. Uh, our offensive line has is having its stretch of issues right now, particularly on on the edges. And I think you guys do have a pretty significant pass rusher in Rashawn Gary. I saw that you guys just extended him for a big deal. Kenny Clark is a physical presence in the interior um, that that continues to cause havoc. Uh, I don't know if Jair Alexander is going to be active for you guys, but uh, if if Jair is is active, you know Jair always always just brings his best, whether he's banged up or not. So uh, a couple of things for us to be to be afraid of, and just McVay's unwillingness to run the ball when it works. So yeah, that's what I'm kind of scared of, man. Yeah, sorry about that, Indigo, for a little bit. No, but, no uh, you're good. But yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I was hearing most of what you're saying. I think the biggest thing um, in regards to Jair, you know, I think the biggest issue for Green Bay is our injury woes, really. Mm-hmm. You know, and and um, with Jordan Love, you know, what, there's some aspects of Packer fans or or section of Packer fans that are giving up on him and ready to move on already. Mm-hmm. There's other aspects on the other side, on both far ends, that want to see him do this a whole nother year and we'll see what we got we go from there in, in his year three as a official starter um and for me i kind of fall in the middle because i feel it's not just all him it's not all his fault that's the offensive woes uh he might see some hero balls trying to be like brett or aaron but he just needs to take you know it sounds simple but take what the defense gives you mm-hmm. it's going to be short intermediate routes you take those short intermediate routes you do what works for the play works for the drive whatever even if you have the audible into it, mm-hmm. you know, so um, we don't need the big plays all the time. Yeah. They're cool. They're good for highlight reels. Mm-hmm. You only do them if, you know, the yeah, wide receiver, you know, I outran. Think, I think there. Love is kind it of really is wide open. And even then sometimes it's drop balls. Our wide receivers need to get more focused. And, you know, from when I saw heading into the season and the preseason and, and the off season stuff with, um, Team building, it seems like aspect of the team, you know, rallying around Jordan and the wide receivers working with them mm-hmm. um, at random times beyond during practices. And it seemed like they were trying to gel, trying to get this because we have a young roster. We're a young team. But through the first eight weeks and seven games, it's uh, not doing as well. And I think part of the problem is wide receivers not being uh, where they need to be in the routes. Butterfinger hands, and we can't tackle or crap. We just can't. Yeah. Our defense, whether it's a couple years ago or this year, is when they when it's uh, like one on one, you know, mm-hmm. uh, open field tackles. Yeah. Open field tackles. Yeah. That that term. We just don't know what we're doing. We're going for legs, you know. And as my late grandfather always said, "What are they doing? Why are they just, you know, you know?" He got annoyed with them with that um, when we're watching the game, and that was. You know. It's uh, I, and I can tell you that's not a that's yeah. not a problem that's exclusive to the Packers. The tackling by the Rams this season has been absolutely atrocious. The open field tackling, and I think um, I, I it's Madden syndrome, right? Like these these kids grow up playing Madden the same way you know I've been playing Madden my entire life. And what's the what's the fun thing to do in Madden is use the hit stick. So they go for the big hit instead of wrapping these players up and you got to respect a lot of these guys these guys are athletes you know 
receivers are stronger, wide uh, halfbacks are stronger. They've got better contact balance. So, yeah, you're coming and you're putting these big licks on these guys, but they're not going down like they do in the video games. They're bouncing off of you and, and rumbling to the next, you know, for another seven, eight yards, and sometimes rumbling through a couple of tackles all the way down to the end zone. So, yeah, I think the sloppy tackling is a problem for both teams. I mean, I looked at the numbers. I had the numbers up here on the screen, and, and just kind of a, a – comparison through seven games for both of these teams and the numbers bear out both offensively and defensively they're very 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 evenly matched teams and you wouldn't think that watching these two teams play you would think like oh uh, you know LA offensively just has to be dominating them and they're not really doing that they're getting it in bunches and big plays but they haven't been able to maintain drives consistently for four quarters in the game like I said we struggle to consistently run the ball uh, we'll have games where we do really good with that or you know we'll have games where the running game just completely disappears um, so it's a game where I don't think any either of the quarterbacks for either team are going to be challenged by the secondaries because I think both secondaries are actually pretty awful um, so as long as you got wide receivers that are hitting the routes and catching balls you should be fine. It's going to come down to what defense can get home and affect the quarterback the most. And I feel like that's oversimplifying it, right? Because you could argue that's pretty much the name of the game for any kind of matchup. But for this one in particular, where the secondaries are a, a, a lot weaker than you would prefer, if you can get home and you can rattle these quarterbacks, and I don't care even if Stafford is under center, if you can start hitting him, he starts panicking and he starts playing hero ball. And that's not what you want Matt Stafford to do. Uh, mm -hmm. because he's going to 100% throw it to the other team at that point. Um, and I think it's the same thing with Jordan Love. We've seen when people start tagging him, he don't, he does not want to stand in that pocket anymore. And he's early on his throws or he's putting a little bit too much on it, right? The touch is, disappears from it. So it, it's going to be like who can get to the quarterback and, and affect him the quickest. Um, this could be a, a really, a really, really tight game. And I think it has the potential to be a boring game, actually. I think this is this is a game where you're going to see a lot of people, especially if Stafford is not under center for us, it's going to be lining up and handed off to the running back. So uh, I, the only thing I can do is hope that Aaron Jones ain't 100% because we can't tackle him uh, and hope that it's got to be somebody else that's a little bit less gifted at toting the rock than Aaron Jones. Yeah. And like I said, for us, we're going to have to hope, or at least for some Packer fans, hoping that Matthew Stafford is an understander, because if he is, some of us were, then he might dice us up But uh, with our secondary. But it's, it's going to be an interesting match, like, matchup. Like I said, we're evenly matched. Uh, Record-wise, technically, the Rams have the uh, amount on us, 3-5 and five against 2-5. and five. Um, And here's a question for you, you know, in regards to the season, heading into it, right? Heading into the 2023 season. At that point, before a game was even played, what was your expectations for your L.A. Rams? I am on record on my other podcast, Touchdown with Doug Smith, um, that I have the Rams going 9-8 and eight this year or 8-9. and nine. Uh, That was what it was going to be, and that record is dependent on if we split with if we split with the Seahawks or if we, uh, you know, if we beat, if we sweep the Seahawks, if we swept the Seahawks, I have us nine and eight. If we split with the Seahawks, we'll be eight and nine. Um, this team early on looked like, oh, we're going to exceed expectations, but now they've kind of regressed to the mean. And I think you, if you're a Rams fan, you're hoping for nine wins. I mean, if you're looking at the draft, you're not hoping for nine wins. You're hoping that we've already won our last game because this is the one. We have a first round draft pick. 
for the first time since before my son was born, we have I know those Rams, yeah. yeah. We have a first round draft pick. We made it through the trade deadline without getting rid of it. Now we gotta wait because you know we can trade it away before the draft starts and just you know acquire more seconds and thirds. Yeah, Dio. Yeah, so we can still trade it away. So we're not out the woods yet. But as it stands right now, the Rams have a first round draft pick, and I think there's a contingent of the, the fan base, understandably so that would like us to have won our last game and really exercise that pick and spend it on one of these, you know, high value, uh, what we perceive to be blue chip prospects coming out, right? Yeah, I think you, right. you, you'd like to get a Drake May or uh, a Caleb Williams or, you know, uh, Michael Penix or Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Like th- that's you'd like to be in that top five and grab one of those guys. Um I just have a feeling that the Rams are not going to do that. And as a football fan, I don't ever want to see my team tank. I'm not interested in watching ugly football. But mm-hmm. I think even without them intentionally tanking, I think I'm we're going to be treated to some ugly football for the remainder of the season. So I got to watch it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so logically, logically, and I, it sounds weird. You don't ever want your team to lose. But like logically, if I'm going to be treated to ugly football anyway, well – then I'd like some return for my suffering in the form of a very high draft pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I would like to have won my last game if, in fact, I'm going to be treated to ugly football. It's interesting. I mean, like I said here, talking about the Receipt podcast on the uh, Sports Talk Network YouTube channel. Uh, so everybody that is watching live, thank you for stopping by. I've seen we got a, a good actual, traf- actual traffic here tonight. Mm-hmm. Um I think we had a max of like 12 minimum of two um so it's nice to, to see some people funnel in um niner gang was was in the chat that i showed a while ago mm-hmm. uh, so r.i.p bobby knight uh talk about him for hours but it's a football podcast um but much respect thousand prayers family friends and fans um but in regards to the rams and i was talking about my channel just because we have our you know season premiere mm-hmm. i don't i'm not like other podcasts that Let's just be face it. They have more grind than I do, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that go all, you know, 365, basically, you know, mm-hmm. um, even off season. But for me, I have a, I have a premiere and I have a finale, mm-hmm. um, like a TV show. You know, I have a yeah. premiere of a season and a finale of a season. This is my 11th season, um, 11th season premiere. And anyways, so each premiere, I do the predictions for teams, divisions. I have guests on. You're welcome to check out that episode. Um, it's in it's on the playlist and on the channel in general. But talking about your Rams specifically, right? Mm-hmm. I have here the sheet of paper and on the show uh, um, for uh, for that. Mm-hmm. I have the Rams nine and eight and second in the division. I have the NFC West going as follows. Again, you can watch the show or just hear it now. Mm-hmm. Number one is the 49ers at eleven and six. Mm-hmm. Two is the Rams at nine and eight. Three is Seattle at eight and nine. And four is the Arizona Cardinals at three and fourteen, so that's what I have for your division. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's um, was interesting and kind of tough doing that division, just as much as all divisions are right, in some way, I guess. But with the Rams, you know, heading into the season, I was thinking, you know, they could bounce out. They could do better. I think I even said on the show, you know, mm-hmm. I have nine and eight, but I could see them maybe winning thirteen games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I predicted nine, so. Uh, as my official pick, but yeah, you know the the Rams are are, are the Rams, and, and they certainly are are a tricky team, especially like you said with the 
you know, having actual first round draft pick. Mm-hmm. You guys aren't. Um, you know, for Rams fans, you guys should be nervous all the way up until the pick is actually yes made until it's in. Yeah, until the pick in, is made, in. yeah, all that. You know, mm-hmm. for the first round. otherwise it can be traded a little when you're on the clock. But, 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 you know, you know, my Packers. I also have them nine and eight here as I look at it. So I have both of our teams being nine and eight. Um, you guys finishing second in your division. My team finishing third. Oh, so, well, our predictions are very similar because we did uh, a show, a preseason prediction show on, on the touchdown. And well, I'm going to be doing that soon. Yeah, so I uh, I also picked the Packers to finish third in this division. I had the Bears finishing last in the division. I had the Detroit Lions owning owning the division and the Minnesota Vikings finishing at two. Um, that's the way I had it rolling, and it looks like it's set up to run that way very much with the NFC. I have... I had the 49ers win in the division, and then I had us finishing second or third, right? Like I said before, right. it depends on do if we sweep Seattle, we finish second. If we split with Seattle, we'll finish third because it'll be the difference between nine and eight and eight and nine. Seattle right now is looking much hotter than than predicted. Um, but I got a feeling that very in, in similar fashion to what happened last year, I'm happy for Geno. I'm glad that he's turned himself into a serviceable NFL quarterback. But if you looked at him on the back end of the season, he looked to kind of regress back to the mean. Um, I'm more confident in the 49ers figuring out what the hell is going on with their offense and what's going on with Brock Purdy or benching Brock Purdy, putting Sam Darnold in and him coming and showing out than I am in Geno and the Seahawks sustaining what it is that they have going. Uh, the, the Cardinals are they're They're an unserious franchise, but uh, you know, I, I could say that I could say the same thing about my, my team at this point in time that we are an unserious franchise. Uh, I hate saying that, but that's just my honest opinion. That's how I feel. I feel like there were some things that could have occurred yesterday that did not occur. And I, I don't know what this team is doing and I want to trust the process, but that didn't work out for the 76ers. It hasn't worked out for a lot of the teams in the NFL that have been trusting the process for years and their trophy case remains barren. Um, and, and if I'm just being candid, man, uh, the best thing that's ever happened to the Rams in terms of their ability to draft is now the general manager of the Detroit Lions. And you see what he's done since he's arrived there. And so now we're seeing what Les Snead is really made of. And outside of this year's draft, right? Because I do think we hit on quite a few players this year. Um, outside, outside of this year's draft, he really has had not had any success in the draft post Brad Holmes. So he needs to have another stellar draft next year, similar to what we had this year, um, for me to feel a lot more confident going into this offseason. Because I know he can trade his butt off and acquire players mm-hmm. in terms of getting any kind of compensation back when we trade away players. He's awful at that. He'll take a half-eaten ham sandwich. But, yeah, man, I, I, I would like to believe as a Rams fan that we kind of played it cool this year. We're going to go back to the draft, and we're going to – We've got renewed cap freedom uh, next year, cap space. And I would like to believe that uh, probably at the trade deadline of 2024 season, the F them picks era part two begins anew uh, and we'll be back in the hunt legitimately come 2025 for the farewell season of uh, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, in regards to Green Bay, you know, we heard earlier, 
um, from AJ talking about Russell Douglas going to Buffalo. Yes. That was tough for small and and I don't know. Like I said, I am not used to it. Packer fans aren't used to this um, tanking notion mm-hmm. or this idea in regards to trying to get a better player in regards to the draft. And um, I think if Jordan Love was half of what we thought he was, we would have been able to win the game last week against Minnesota. We had three drives at you know at the, what the score was to try to slowly get back into it. We even had and had short field, weren't able to do anything with it. Um, you know, that was kind of frustrating, right? Mm-hmm. Have any opportunities that could have been for ties for leads and whatnot that um, nothing was able to be done. And um, like I said, you know, Packer teams of old would have and, and would have gotten those touchdowns or scores or points and whatnot and be able to to survive a, a, a scrappy Vikings team in a game, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that also shows that our quarterbacks of the past masks our issues that we had mm-hmm. that we didn't really want to face or care about because we didn't need to because we were winning and owning the division. So, um, you know, it's a new era, but hopefully it's a short-lived one. Yes. You know, and um, but who knows? Yeah. You know, but there's a reason why they say trust the process for all these teams because we see what – Jackson has been doing the last four years. Um, you know, we see the, the, the turnaround in many other franchises. Um, you know, and, I, and you want to hope it's your team that does it next. I have a problem with trust the process in sports, period. Uh, but we'll stick strictly to football. And I alluded to it earlier. There's plenty of teams that have been trusting the process for years. And their trophy case is barren. Mm-hmm. And... I can understand the perspective of a sports fan saying, I just want my team to compete. But as a person that has played sports, and I'm not professing that I've played in any like D1 ball or anything, but I play sports. And I, the, the object of sports is to win. The objects of professional sports are to win championships. If you are playing the game for anything other then to win a championship, you are playing for Madden ratings. And I know that's a hot take and people don't like when I say that, but that's 100% what you're playing for. Nobody puts, none of these players are putting in the work, putting their bodies in on the line so that way they can consistently be in the hunt instead of having the ring. It's fun to get online and poke fun at the Los Angeles Rams, right? Because they've had they had the worst follow up to a Super Bowl uh, in in NFL history, and they're having a pretty bad year now. And everybody's like, "Ah, oh, the f them picks has you know the pipe. You know, it's time for us to pay the piper. That's what we're doing right now." Are you going to tell me that Detroit, Jacksonville, Buffalo, Cincinnati, pick a pick a franchise, Minnesota, right? Are you going to sit here and tell me with a straight face that you, those teams, that fan base wouldn't trade their collective souls for a ring? For a single ring? Because it changes things. And if you don't believe that getting a Super Bowl championship changes things for your franchise, I would have you look no further than the Philadelphia Eagles. That franchise has changed since 2017, since they brought home that first ring. They got a hunger about them. And that now they they tasted it and they're about the business of winning and winning 
in sports, my coach has always told me this, and I 100% believe it, winning is a skill. And until you do it, you don't know how to do it. And these are franchises that don't know how to do it yet. And it's reflected year after year in the way that they manage their teams and the the way they manage their organizations and the way that they continuously fail, that they lack that skill. So, yes, winning is a skill. You say, well, you know, you guys don't appear to have that skill anymore. No, our team knows how to do it. I think we're talent poor all across the board right now. And I think that once we reload, yes, we'll be back in the hunt and be competitive again, competing for a championship. Like I said, if you guys are if you guys are content to be middle of the pack or to be just in the playoffs, congratulations on your updated Madden ratings. I hope you go out and purchase the new game next year and enjoy playing with your freshly ranked team. Until then, I'm over here wishing, dreaming of, of rings and Super Bowls the way that I should be, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get that. And if that means I've got to have two to three years of absolute misery to go sell the farm all over again and watch my team hoist another Lombardi, yeah, I'll pay that price gladly. All right, well, let's cap it off. Regards to predictions, don't know if is going to be able to be back um, with whatever is going on there in school or the dorms. Mm-hmm. Um, so officially, what would be your prediction? You don't have to give a score. I do, but you don't have to. Oh. Um, but but prediction for the uh, LA Rams versus the Green Bay Packers for Sunday. Man, it is hard to pick against my team, so I won't pick against my team. I'm going to go 23-20 Rams over the Packers. And I echo those sentiments. I don't pick against my team, even though they never do go 16-0. Mm-hmm. Or 17-0 now. But um, anyways, I'm going to go with the Packers over the Rams getting a tough win. I don't think anybody's getting a touchdown. Um, I'm going to go Packers over Rams. Yeah, you know what? No Packers over Rams, 12-9. And it's going to be just a very low-scoring, boring game. But somebody is going to win. This is not, I repeat, this is not going to be the one-tie game of the season. It will not be. <laughs> it Usually, will not be. Like the last four years, at least one-tie game uh, throughout mm-hmm. an NFL season. And I don't Hoping to pray that it's not going to be this Rams Packers match. Yeah, look, this is, I'm fully going into this game kind of prepared. Was that that meme from 300, right? Where there's like, <laughs> where he's got the, he's got the wife and he's like, you will not enjoy this. That's exactly how I feel going into this game. I will not enjoy this. Oh, man. We still got a long season to go, bro. You know, it's, is that is that a good thing or is that just some cruel form of torture at this point? Well, it depends on how your mind wants to see it. <laughs> well, ask me after Sunday, and I'll let you know if it's more torture than enjoyment. Oh, I might even be asking during. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, man. no, it's certainly going to be an interesting game. But um, I'll let you finally get out of here. I mean, we are almost at nine p.m. Central. Yes, sir. Um, but. Um, yeah, let people know where they can find you specifically, find your show, um, and otherwise. Oh, man. Well, uh, guys, if you want to come and watch me tweet angry, depressing, upset things about the Rams and curse all over the place, I try to keep it clean. But it's if that's what you're here for, uh, know it's a lot of Rams content. My at is right here. It's at AC to GDB. You can come follow me on Twitter. And it's going to be Twitter. It's forever going to be Twitter because his mama named him Twitter. Uh, 
And then you could catch me with my co-host, Doug Smith and Mike Williams on the touchdown with Doug Smith on YouTube. We cover the entire NFL, not just the Rams. Doug is a Dolphins fan. Mike is a Broncos fan. So you're going to get a diverse group of opinions and stuff from people that just really, really love football. We all love our teams, uh, but we're all brutally honest about our teams. So uh, feel free to come and check us out. We'd love to have you guys come and support. And at the end of the day, I don't pretend to know anything. You guys see my background. It's a bunch of anime and Batman and stuff. This is my wheelhouse, but I love, I mean, I love football. So at the end of the day, if you think I know something about football, you're right. If you think I don't know anything about football, you're right too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, man, it was great to, great to have you on. Um, And yeah, um, I guess when you can, as much as I can look it up myself, send me, send me a link of that. um, Well, as I call it season premiere, but Mm -hmm. you're season uh, recap or heading into the season video that you were talking about earlier. So then to be in DMs, those check it out, subscribe to the channel, like the video, all that at that time. But we have a good evening and uh, we'll see how the game goes on Sunday. All right. Hey, I appreciate you having me, man. Best of luck this Sunday, uh, but the Rams got to win it. <laughs> go fact, go. <laughs> go Rams. Uh, but like, yeah, as he was saying, you know, it's going to be an interesting matchup with the Packers and the Rams, you know, and now uh, AJ is not going to be able to be here with me, but I'm going to quickly go through uh, to end this episode, uh, do my, my own predictions here for week number nine, the week that is week number nine. And it starts off with the Thursday night game. We have the Tennessee Titans facing up. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, um, I'm going to go with the Steelers of the Titans, 27-13. Let me have the Dolphins over against the Chiefs. Would be my game of the week, but it's not. I'm going on Dolphins over the Chiefs, 27-20. Uh, Falcons and Vikings, closer game than I think it's going to be, but I'm going to go with the Vikings over the Falcons, 23-17. Saints over the Bears, 17-12. to I have the Packers over the Rams, as I just said, 12-9. Uh, the Commanders over the Patriots on the road, getting a road win for the Commanders. You know, well-needed win for them, 13-3 uh, to there. In a close game, low-scoring game. Kind of a boring game there. Uh, Seahawks and Ravens. I get the Ravens getting the win at home. They're, they're just cooking in all cylinders. Um, you know, they had the beatdown win against Detroit. This one might be a little bit closer, but I have a 35-23 win there for them. Uh, Tampa Bay and Houston. I got Tampa Bay getting the win on the road, 27-13. The Browns and Cardinals. I'm going with Cleveland. Arizona keep tanking, trying to get that number one spot. I'm going with Cleveland, uh, 23-17. Panthers, they got their first one of the season last week. This week, I don't think that trend continues. I have the Indianapolis Colts getting the win on the road there regarding Minshew. The Giants and Raiders, that actually is my game of the week, actually, and ironically, not because it's the best one, um, but because of really how both teams have kind of gone in the tank mode in different ways. Raiders, firing people in the Giants, just not knowing what they're doing in quarterback situation. But I'm going to go with the Raiders. They're out of the home team, and I see them getting the win. The 17th, excuse me, 17-13 type of final there in Las Vegas. Um, I have the Eagles defeating the Cowboys at home, 35-23. to 23. Uh, The Bengals over the Bills in a well-fought game, uh, Sunday Night Football on NBC. Um, Bengals over the Bills, 27-13. And Monday Night Football, Monday, November 6th, uh, I have the uh, Chargers over the Jets in a Probably be a close game, 17 to 13. So that's my predictions for what is week nine. Welcome to check on Twitter. Um, I am there, you know, tweeting during the game as I can be. Um, but for sure, uh, we'll be doing 
and sharing uh, how the records go with the group uh, that we do each and every week for, predict for predicting um, and go from there. Hope you all have a great rest of your evening. Stay safe, have fun. Hope everybody had a great ha happy Halloween. Um, and likewise, um, for those that are new that were watching uh, one of my videos here for the very first time, subscribe to the channel, ring that bell. You know when I go live or do a video at any point in the future. So until next time, and above all else, as always, take care.